Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined as I am every day during this time period. It is late on a Sunday night. Joined by fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is good to be back. Just another uh, another great weekend of sports. Another great weekend of sports. I like it. That was like the, the Rob Lowe NFL hat of intros for a sports podcast. Honestly, I've thought about it. <laughs> I've, I need that Rob Lowe hat. <laughs> like, that's that's who I am. I'm that NFL fan. I'm just like... Great, great day of NFL today. Who's your team? I wasn't really pro- pulling for any of them in particular, but it's great, great, great league. Great content but, is but what no, you're saying. Just from uh, the parade on Friday. Did you go? Peachtree Street. Oh yeah, man. Had to be a had to be a part of it. The real parade was for sure down at the Battery, but um, yeah. I mean, I I'd like to know. I haven't seen any numbers on exactly how many. If there's an estimate on how many people came out, but but yeah, it was packed. It was good stuff. I'm glad. I mean, the memes were hilarious. Did you see the the bus flying by going 35? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the parade <laughs> started at 12. We were right there at the end of Peachtree Street and 10th Street, like basically where the parade ended, mm-hmm. that that part of the parade ended. And yeah, like it was over by like 1230. It was like they were flying through, just going like 30 miles an hour. It was crazy. That's wild. Um, so what was the atmosphere like? What did uh, what, do you, what were your takeaways from the parade? What Walk me through the day. How was it? I don't think anyone really knew what to do in a parade. Honestly, <laughs> first parade of any kind I've ever been to. It like occurred to me like as I'm walking up, like I've never been to any kind of parade, you know? So um, I think the Braves, they definitely went too fast on that <laughs> first part. But mm-hmm. I think they learned from it. I think they just didn't want to get stuck in traffic and everything because they knew – they knew part two was like the real parade. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It was, it was cool. Like, like I told my buddies that were going to come down that ended up not coming down. It was like, I was glad I was a part of it. Like it was cool experience, but you didn't really miss anything by not going to it, you know, cause it just, everything happened so fast. So I had a, I had some Terrapin, uh, Los Bravos though for the, uh, for the parade seemed, seemed, uh, very festive. Wait. So what is that? It's like a beer. Well, I know Terrapin's a beer. Like, is it a legitimate flavor? Yeah, like you okay. can buy it in like a liquor store. Like, it, but they they specifically made that one for the Braves, so they like sell it at the stadium. But they also actually put it in cans and you can buy it at the store. What is the flavor? Blueberry? Know, <laughs> no, I I don't know. I'm not like a huge beer drinker like that. Like, you're a Jack no. and Coke guy, right? That's my that's my game day, my Georgia uh, beverage. But okay. um, I don't know. I'm just like it's not like a cheap beer, but it's not like a super hoppy beer. It's just somewhere in between. Those mm-hmm. are the kind of beers I like. I'm not like a a super hoppy IPA kind of guy. You're not a chocolate stout person. No, nothing like that at all. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think if it was on a Saturday, I would have come down for it. Um, there was uh, personal events this week um, that precluded me. So, I, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, I would not have been able to go either way. But um, it would have been, I mean, either. It would have been cool because a lot of people went out for it. Did, were you off? How did your office approach 
the the parade? Were they just because school was canceled in Fulton and Cobb? Yeah, how did just, that work? Uh, my my manager just worked with me. I was like, hey, I'm trying to go to this parade. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I'll work till like 10 a.m. and then come back and like finish after. So that's basically all I did. Nice. It was like a really weird like six hour gap <laughs> in the middle of your work day, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, my uh, my job was cool about it. I, I'm glad because I think a lot of people had to be cool about it. And you don't want to be that company where it's like, hey, in this particular company, we're like, no one's leaving. You're not right. celebrating it's anything. Like I told her, I was like, it's been 26 years. Like, I don't know when the next one's going to be. Like, I got to get out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. And it, it was really cool. I mean, I would have, as the sports are and as the Atlanta sports guy and the Mr. Volunteer, like I would have, in my role in, in the future, if I had been able to, to lead this, I would have... Um, I would have annexed downtown Atlanta for the Braves um, because they are not the Atlanta Braves anymore. They're the Cobb County Braves. And we need to, if we're going to do this, Matt Green, we need to go ahead and be honest. Let's be forthright about the circumstances. So when I saw that they actually were going downtown and they were going down, I think, Marietta Street and everything else, I was, was kind of surprised because if I'm the city of Atlanta, I'm like, no, you're not coming here. Like, no, you're not allowed. You're not allowed back. I would have been super petty about the entire thing. I would have been like, Turner's right down the street. Like if y'all were still at Turner, yeah, that's makes sense. We start there and we move down. Like it's a perfect spot to start and move down. But but y'all moved. Y'all y'all left. Y'all went to the suburbs. Y'all y'all the parade needs to be in the suburbs. Honestly, the parade needs to be in uh in downtown uh Marietta or Roswell or something. We we needed to move it in Alpharetta. Like this is the it Alpharetta like, Brave, sir. It definitely felt like going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Like they knew they knew they had to do one part in actual downtown Atlanta. Right. And it so, wasn't very long though, right? The fact that they went so fast to yes. honestly kind of adds to that that they were just kind of going through the motions. But um but yeah, I I, I like that they did it cuz at the end of the day that is the heart of Atlanta, you know, and Sun Truist Park as as even though it's in Cobb County, I think it does still technically have an Atlanta address. But yeah, we all know it's it's basically closer to being marietta mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm gonna make a lot of braves fans mad with that but that is just a little pet peeve of mine go braves but let's let's be honest let's just be you're honest not even a, you're not even a braves fan man i don't know what you're talking about you were you're just complaining about the hold the on time. let's stop Holy. right there let's <laughs> stop right there because i talked to other braves fans about this very thing i talked to one of them last week um about this very thing and i was like am i crazy did you feel this way at all during the run and they were like no we we like we're losing our sanity of four after four hour game after four hour game i was not alone it wasn't that like day games if you do this every day from like noon to four perfect done yes no complaints 8 p.m to midnight every night when with other stuff on my plate with this podcast with everything else no matt green i was frustrated I was frustrated because I cover everything and there's a lot going on. So don't don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't put that on me. That's not what happened there. Don't hey, don't it, paint it me. Threw off my sleep for a solid two or three weeks, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Right. It's just such a great run by this team. Well, what I'm saying in the the whole thing is like if it's in May, like the College World Series was perfect. Like Tennessee when they went on that run, there's nothing else on. Like I'm just zoned in everything, and I'm like, yeah, you want to go for three hours all weekend every night? Sure, let's do this. Let's do this. There's literally nothing else on. Let's watch it. But uh, yeah, it was a little bit, a uh, little bit different this fall. There's just so much sports on. But it looks like we're we're in the home stretch with some of them, and we'll miss this football season once it comes to a close because it it moves so fast. Um, Matt Green, headline story of the weekend is what for you, sir? I think um I had a I have a couple really, okay. but um 
the biggest my biggest takeaway you know it's got to be florida you mm-hmm. know like the we already talked about the the sea heating up on dan mullen but you know the, just getting blown away by south carolina just a bad <laughs> south carolina team i feel like more than any like sort of positives of the weekend i feel like that that stole the stole the weekend for me like that's just the biggest story they were hoping they could play it on sec network you know, night game with the other prime time games on, you know, no one would notice if they have an embarrassing showing, uh, but we noticed. I, I mean, I still would have predicted before that, that beat down that uh, Mullen was safe. Um, but now I don't know, man, I think I'm leaning more towards the AD Mullen and everybody being out after this year. It, it's starting to trend more in that direction for me. I think so. And then you got the guys like, uh, the Chris Dorings of the world that that were in Mullen's corner, I think, mm-hmm. before this past weekend. Like, I heard him talking on SEC Football Final. He's like, you know, I don't really have much to say now. I was defending Mullen before, but now you got those kind of people turning on him. Like, I'm sure Tebow will never turn on him because Mullen's his guy. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's obvious, like, that this, especially the way they got dominated on the ground, it's like that seems like an effort thing. And that goes back to that Bruce Feldman article that came out this past week of like this team you know they just they don't give effort they don't play hard and they just got absolutely torched like almost 200 yard rushers for south carolina like south carolina like man it's one thing like losing to kentucky the way they did it's like there's also like there's a kick six involved it's like upsets happen you know like there was nothing fluky about the way south carolina won they just like dominated that game it, from from start to finish like it was just it was insane like i i couldn't believe what i was watching yeah i mean i was not watching it live because tennessee was on at the same time but i think you were the one who alerted me to the score i'm not sure it was either you or someone else um alerted me to the to the game during yeah i definitely hit you up because i was uh, probably like you i mean i was probably balancing alabama lsu more mm-hmm. and going back to kentucky tennessee and I'm like, oh my God, do you see what's <laughs> happening in South Carolina? Like, it was just absurd. It was probably the second quarter till I really watched any of that game. But yeah, it was just insane what, what South Carolina did to Florida. And then Cincinnati, I thought I was very underwhelmed by Cincinnati's performance. College game, they just had their, their throwaway weekend of the year where they... That was they so threw, weird. They just threw Cincinnati a bone, I mm-hmm. guess. Like, obviously, they have some some good AAC games on the schedule, but you know, I guess they were just trying to to give Cincinnati a game day uh, appearance. But you know, the the quote unquote goal line stand they had to win, like they're they're so lucky to to have come out of a come out of that game with a win. That sequence like they, was crazy, and the only reason I saw that sequence was because that game uh, bled into Tennessee Kentucky. Um, Oh, yeah. It was preposterous what we were watching there at the goal line. Uh, Tulsa just, like, vomited all over themselves. They really did. And who was it? Was it that the the, the Redskins game a couple weeks ago where the quarterback, like, ran for the goal line, but because his knee went down, it was technically gave himself away? It's like that was essentially, like, the same type of thing. Like, you're at the end zone, man. Dive into the end he zone. He slid, don't, don't yeah, instead of diving. Yeah. Into the end zone. Like, mm-hmm. What are you doing? So yeah, Cincinnati's super lucky to uh to walk away with the with a victory. And then um the other one, the Giant Killers mm. from West Lafayette, Indiana, Purdue Boilermakers. I thought for sure, I think we both talked about it. That game felt like a sneaky game, but only because of that win over Iowa. But 
my thoughts were just Michigan State's so much better than Iowa. They're not going to have that much to worry about. But David Bell, he uh, he came to play again, and Purdue it's their first first uh, year with two wins over top five teams since 1960. Mm. So yeah, it was a uh, that those are like the, the biggest stories of of the weekend to me because. You got Michigan State and Cincy. I just feel like people just way overreacted to the the week, the first week of the college football playoff rankings. Like, oh, Bama doesn't deserve to be number two. Cincinnati's disrespected at number six. Like, I just don't know why anyone was just so up in arms about the original playoff rankings. Like, Cincinnati, Cincy, that six is the highest a group of five team has ever been ranked in the playoff rankings, and they feel disrespected. Like, you haven't beaten anybody except for Notre Dame. Like, Oklahoma is undefeated in the Big 12, and they're number eight. So, like, Cincy fans, I got into some arguments on Twitter last week with Cincy fans. Just, like, relax, okay? Like, you're getting a lot of respect to be at number six. Now you got Michigan State losing. Like, they'll pr- that'll probably get them to number five or so. Like, Cincy actually has, like, I feel like everyone's takeaway I heard from last week was, well, I think this proves well, they're never going to put a group of five team in the playoff. And I took the exact opposite. I was like, they they put Cincy at six. Like, Bama and Georgia are going to play. Michigan State and Ohio State will play. Like, there's a legitimate shot for them to make the playoff if they're going to start at number six in week 10. That's fair. And, I mean, the road is right there. I just think about Cincy is I don't think they're finishing undefeated. The Cincy that we've seen the last few weeks and just going to the wire with Tulsa, I, I don't – like, Houston and SMU are good. And Houston, I believe, is still undefeated in the AAC. And I I don't think that's a guarantee in the AAC title game. I I, I think Cincy is... They're, they're vulnerable. Not to the extent that Wake is. And we'll get to that game in a bit. But yeah, I think that's all true. And to speak one last thing on the Florida-South Carolina thing. What it reminded me of when I saw that beat down and everything. And the Shane Beamer just being stunned to be up. And just the, the kid at a candy store and just happy to be there. Um, it's a bad look for Florida when he's just like, oh, yeah, I thought we were going to get murdered uh, like we have all year because we're a really, really bad football team. And I just I think it's like losing to South Carolina like that is akin to Tennessee losing to Vanderbilt, where it's like any coach that loses to Vanderbilt, that that's it. That's like the nail in the coffin. I feel like losing to this iteration of South Carolina is a nail in anyone's coffin where it's like we'll put up with some rough losses to to Auburn or LSU or Georgia or whoever, like some some quality SEC teams, but like you lose to either Vanderbilt or South Carolina, you're out of here. You like it, you experience this as a Georgia fan, where it's like Georgia fans when they got most uneasy was when those South Carolina games happened. You had a clunker where you lose at home a couple of years ago with Kirby, and people are like, "What is happening? What is happening? The sky is falling." Um, there's just certain teams in this conference where it's like, "Sorry, we're this, they're that." If you lose to them, it's over. And I think Kentucky is almost like that for Tennessee too, where I, the main one's Vanderbilt, but like. Tennessee owns Kentucky, like historically, like they own Kentucky. I think the last, I forgot what number of coaches who uh, faced Kentucky for the first time all beat them. It's pretty remarkable. It's a, it's a murderous row of, of games and it's just, they own that program. And it's like, you go down to Kentucky, it's like, we got to reevaluate everything. So when they lost to Kentucky at home last year, it's like, uh-oh, Pruitt's in trouble. Losing to Kentucky at home, not acceptable. Not acceptable. What we don't do I is we don't lose same- to Kentucky. I think the same was for Dan Mullen, too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a solid Kentucky team. It was like, we're Florida. We don't lose to Kentucky. Yes, we beat them. It, like Even on down years, we beat them for 30 straight years. 
Yeah, I think with Georgia, it would have to be Georgia Tech, right? Yes. Jim Donnan. Like, Jim Donnan was actually a decent coach there in the late 90s for, like, four years. Like, solid winning percentage. But he lost to Tech three years in a row. And it's like, you can't be losing to Tech three years in a row. Like, get this guy. And that's actually when Tech was a respectable football program, too. You can't even lose to Tech two years in a row anymore. Like, there's no excuse for that. Um, even two years in a row. Um but yeah, we'll we'll see what the the playoff. What is your uh, what is your top four right now? Like, if you had to guess, and not I shouldn't say that. What? Oh, let's do this. We'll break it up into two parts. Who is your personal top four after this weekend, and who is the top four that you think the committee is going to put out? So my personal top four, based on the criteria that just they usually pick, or like just who I think are the four best teams. I so like your four best teams right now, one through four based on what we've seen this year and then the one through four that you think the committee will put out okay well i think the committee the committee top four seems easy because of just what we got last week so i think the committee top four is one georgia two alabama and then with michigan state losing i think it makes it easy to make oregon at three and ohio state at four right Mm. do you agree with that no i think oklahoma's gonna rise I think we're going to see Oklahoma. Well, but see, you can't have Oklahoma do it this week, though. Not coming off a bye week. Like, this isn't... Okay. They can't jump from eight to four when they don't play anybody, right? That's true, but Oregon looked awful. And that Washington team is terrible. And that was just a horrendous game. And Anthony Brown is just bad. Like, that Oregon offense stinks. Um, and that, we'll get... And that, that's I don't a know. good point. And then if I'm going my actual top yeah. four, I would say Georgia one, Alabama two. Ooh. Probably Ohio State three. Okay. And maybe Oklahoma four. Like, hmm. I would I like to give Cincinnati a shot in there, but I don't think Cincinnati's better than Oklahoma right now. Like, hmm. I would give, I think both of those teams are better than Oregon. But, like, if I'm basing it on, like, because we always have this conversation, like, is it a Vegas top four or is it, you know, most deserving teams? Like, is it just best teams? Like, it's always it's never just the best teams because if Alabama loses another game, if they're ten and two or something, if you go Vegas neutral site versus any of these other teams in the top ten, Alabama's gonna be favored, you know? But that doesn't mean Alabama's deserving of being in the top four. You know, I feel like that's the kind of the the strange position that college football rankings are in. It's 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 best team versus most deserving team. But based on the criteria that we just kind of all agree on, and this is how we judge college football teams based on, you know, eye tests slash accomplishments, like, I think it's it's pretty easy to justify Oregon being three ahead of Ohio State just because of that head-to-head win. And then with Cincinnati, and I would say Cincinnati and Oklahoma right there at five and six, so... I um I think the Big Ten champion before before this past week I would have said the Big Ten champion was guaranteed to get in. Now I don't know. Like Ohio State just has not looked at, like the dominant team I was kind of expecting them to look like in the second half of the season. So with with the close win over Penn State, now the close win over Nebraska, like. This Michigan State losing to Purdue could have been like a doomsday scenario for the for the Big Ten, right? Like if if now Michigan State has a loss, now if they somehow beat Ohio State or you know Ohio State beats them and then they lose to Michigan, like there's just there's a there's a chance the the Big Ten, even though it is I think clearly the second best conference right now, there's a chance the Big Ten champion doesn't get in the playoff right now. I would be pretty shocked by that. I I would. Um... I would. I would. I think it's still probably going to happen, but it's it's possible. 
It is possible. Um, I just, <laughs> here are the teams that I think are better than Oregon right now. Utah, I think is a better team than Oregon. Oklahoma State, I think is a better team. I think Mississippi State's better. I think NC State's better. I think um, Arizona State's I better. I, I think, don't know about all that. I think Michigan State's State, better. NC State are better than Oregon? I do. I think um, Tennessee is a better team than Oregon. I think Tennessee beats Oregon on a neutral site. I think Notre Dame's better. I think Iowa State's better. I think Oklahoma's better. I think a healthy Penn State's better. I think Pittsburgh's better. I think Texas A&M's you better. Can't, you can't take away that lo- that win in Columbus, though. That Even was week if- two. The whole thing about that is that was such a long time ago. And I just, I value more about what you look like towards the end, where you have had game tape, you've had to make adjustments, you've had to figure out who your team is. Like, you've had time now. You have in-game experience. I think there is something to playing through some early season issues and seeing, like, Wisconsin now, you cannot judge them for what they were five weeks ago versus what they are now. Because I think Wisconsin now is a top 10 team. Were they that four weeks ago? No. Do I think they are now? Yeah. Um but think about it, like you, Michigan. Look at Texas A&M and that team that lost to Arkansas. It's not the same team. That's not the same Zach Calzada. The confidence and the difference in his play is completely different. But you still have to count them all. I'm not the disagreeing same. with that, but I'm just saying my gut instinct. If you replay that game this week, is what I'm saying. That's how I'm looking at it from my own personal. Like the committee can't play this game, have, but uh, I can play this Thibodeau game. Thibodeau in that game too. Say it again. They also didn't have Thibodeau in that game versus True. Ohio State. So I don't know. I know what you mean, but I think. Like, if Clemson was doing what we thought Clemson would do this year and what they do every year, like, that Georgia-Clemson game would constantly be used as a, you know, just kind of a a benchmark of, mm-hmm. oh, this team's better than that team. Well, you know, they beat them week one. Like, you just can't – you can't ignore that head-to-head result. Mm. Even if – because I think a lot of teams have looked, you Can know, I give you my top four? Mortal. Like, Oklahoma – yeah, here, hold on. But, like, Oklahoma has looked – like pretty mediocre a lot of weeks mm-hmm. but they still get it keep getting wins like even though Oregon hasn't looked great every week they they still have what 7 and 1 8 and 1 record so you know you, you can't uh you can't bypass that can i give you my top 4 yeah hit me with it 1 Georgia 2 Texas A&M 3 what? Ohio State 4 Bama A&M you think it is number 2 yes they for I, one beat Bama they they went to war with Bama. I don't know if you watched that. I watched that whole Auburn game. You were in on Auburn, and I think I had a good week based on what I remember um, from this Saturday. It was a very solid week. I think A&M, people don't, like, they're coming for the SEC West. Like, it's not a guarantee that they don't win out and represent the West. And I think Georgia would rather play Alabama than Texas A&M in the SEC title game. Nobody wants any part of this Mike Elko defense right now. No one wants any part of what A&M is doing to people. They know exactly they are there. Alabama has real problems offensively. Like the the Bill O'Brien stuff is real. The clunkiness, being in that dogfight with LSU. This is not getting better this year. This is a problem. And that's one thing I'm fearful about Florida moving on from Mullen is I don't want offensive analyst Dan Mullen in Tuscaloosa where all of his only job is to... Uh, to uh, to invigorate this Alabama offense and get them out of these these problems, but um, I don't know. I think AM is an elite elite football team. They were number four what last year. Um, they've come they a long way. Four like a month ago. Yeah, that's what so. I'm saying. They they are right there. And I think if I had to like, I think if they can win out, the SEC title game might be a national title decider. Uh, if it's A and M and Georgia, like that is how high I think about both those teams. I'm not, I'm with you. I'm still wait and see with Oklahoma. I don't think they have it. 
Ohio State, um, the defense has gotten a lot better in recent weeks. Their wideouts will keep them in games because it's just so hard to to cover number 11 who just went off this week, uh, Smith, and then Chris Olave when he wants to do stuff at the goal line. They, they, just, they have talent everywhere. And C.J. Stroud is just... He's more of a Dwayne Haskins. He's not a Justin Fields. So I don't think he's a national title quarterback. I think he's just solid. Like, he doesn't make bonehead mistakes, but he also just doesn't have... I don't know. I don't see the elite, elite, like, first-round, top-ten talent. I don't I don't see it with him. I think he's good. I think he's solid. I don't think he's, a, he's an all-time Ohio State great. So with all that being said, I think that's fair. I don't think it's outrageous to do one Georgia, two A&M, three Ohio State, four Bama. Is that outrageous? My only, my only problem with with your logic of A&M at, at two is I feel like so much of it is based on what they did against Alabama, but you also just got done talking about how flawed of a team Alabama is. So, But if you're going to put Alabama at two and they lost to this A&M team just a few weeks ago, I don't know. And A&M handled. Sure, can't they ignore, handled Auburn. You can't ignore those losses to Arkansas. Too and early in the season. State. Like, those are, those are in September, October. You know, it's like, at the same time, those happen. Like, right now, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Like, A&M is, like, playing great football. Like, they're one of the best teams in the country right now. I mean, that's why they're, they're ranked 14th. They might be able to creep into the top 10 of the next playoff rankings. But just with how the sport is ranked you can't justify putting a&m at number two just based on the body of work i don't know i'm gonna do it that's what i'm doing my gut tells me they're the second best team in the country and that's what we're doing my personal perspective is i think a&m's the second best team in the country man you'd uh you'd make a lot of people mad if that was the uh if that was the top four that's for sure i don't know but do you really like is it really like that crazy to think those are the four best teams in college football right now like even if you don't agree with the one no, through not four necessarily yeah. i think that's why so many sec fans myself included have had a problem with this top four with this top four playoff in general like mm-hmm. the sec hasn't been one of the teams that's been hurt by the four team playoff at all but we just know how strong this conference is year in and year out and you have years where oklahoma or clemson gets to the playoff playing one ranked team the entire season and you got two loss Auburn who played number one two different times in the season you know or or Florida who played you know two or three top five teams in in the season and you know they're just SOL at number eight and have no shot to get in so I think that's why so many SEC fans don't don't really believe the top four every year right they're like yeah that might be what you say the top four is but we don't think that's truly the four best teams in the country and if you had a 12 team playoff like we've talked about or maybe even eight like it's not it's not crazy to think that you could have three sec teams in in the final four that's fair that's fair um your stat of the weekend it's time for green line what is it matt oh man the uh green stat of the weekend i Mm. know you uh i know you love i I know we both love dan mullen on this Mm. podcast you know florida we're very high on the Florida Gators being right. Georgia and Tennessee fans. So a few weeks ago, I gave you the stat of the week. I believe it was that Florida was two and six in their last eight games against power five competition. Mm-hmm. Well, I would like to update you on that stat because Florida is now two and eight in their last 10 games against power five competition. Would you like me to tell you the only teams in the country that have had Two and eight in their last ten versus Power Five competition. First, I'll give you the teams. The only 
teams in the country that are worse than two and eight mm. in their last five, ten versus Power Five teams. You got Arizona at one and nine, mm. Vanderbilt and Kansas at zero and ten. You're talking two and eight in your last ten games. You're in company with Duke and Indiana, <laughs> Nebraska, South Carolina, and Syracuse. That's the company that Florida is in right now, and I think that's why a couple weeks ago we, you hear you heard at least people saying with Dan Mullen, oh, well, we need to. You know, reevaluate the expectations here at Florida. Like they're having a, it's a little too high. It's like if you're in the company with Syracuse and Indiana and Duke right now, then I don't think you do. I don't think there are messed up uh, expectations in Gainesville. I think it's just, it's just getting, it's going, getting bad, and it's and it's getting worse. Hmm. Yeah, I just, I would be so curious which way they go and who survives a change like that and where he goes like i could see him still getting an nfl job after that even if he gets gets fired or something like that i i don't know what dan like mullen a head does coaching job i could see it doug marone got a head coaching job from syracuse uh, i don't know he just seems so unlikable like i, I just can't see it like even though chip like kelly had the same about, problems but chip kelly didn't actually go downhill before he got the eagles job that's true like, oregon was still what they were like you got why am i um blanking on his name um cardinals coach texas oh, cliff tech, kingsbury. kingsbury like he was obviously bad at texas tech i was gonna say he got, got fired he got a head coaching job mm-hmm. in the nfl so that's not unprecedented but he's also like i don't know he's really young and so he kind of has that going for him like mullen's not super old or anything but he doesn't seem like a young, innovative mind or anything like that. That seems to be a trend in the NFL. The this, the Sean McVays of the world. I don't know. I would be shocked if this guy got a an NFL head coaching job. I think he, I think he's a good enough coach to you know to get another good job. But I don't know. It's it's such a it's chrono, it's crazy how how things have turned on Dan Mullen in in about three or four weeks. Maybe Dancing with the Stars. We saw how <laughs> he and his go. wife were dancing in the living room. He got that true. down. Maybe that's TikTok his next videos. move. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the next move. Something there. Um, well, let's get into uh, this weekend's pick Uh How did we do this weekend, Matt Green? Because I am fairly confident I, I cleaned up this weekend and, and took a took a nice bounce back weekend. You did. You had, you had an excellent week this week. Uh, made up some ground. Mm. Uh, so you went eight and three overall Oof. and eight and three against the spread. There we go. I I just went six and five overall mm. and, and five and six against the spread. Oof. So so now on the year I am seventy one and forty overall and you are sixty one and fifty. Mm-hmm. And then against the spread I am sixty forty nine and two to your fifty four fifty five and two. So three weeks to go. We're uh, we're right, you're right there. I think overall I got a ten game lead. It might be able to hold. It might be tough for you to to come back on that one, but still some time. I should have gambled a grand on Tennessee, Kentucky. I should have just dropped a grand on it. Oh man, you say that now. You were you were sweating that game. Never a uh, doubt. Never night, a though. doubt. Never oh, a man. doubt. That was a good one. Can you imagine losing a football game where you never punted? Can you imagine? Couldn't be me. Oh wow, yeah. That, that was a that was may, well, maybe the game of the year in college football so far like that that was an incredible game tennessee's just a much watch do you see what i'm saying like the old miss game that game pit like tennessee's only an exciting crazy games like we're this weekend with georgia will be crazy um 
I, I just, it might be. It might. You might have to uh, sit through a boring Georgia blowout again next week. That's not no. happening. I, I don't know how. <laughs> like I don't know how to get through this like first quarter slog. Like what were y'all up seven to three um, out of the gate uh, after the first against Mizzou? Um, you're not early starters. Y'all got to wake up. Y'all are a crockpotting team. You're oh, prime Alabama. Georgia's been starting early most games this year. Okay. I mean, the last couple weeks, I think Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, mm-hmm. all those were. That's what I'm saying. Auburn, early. you were down. Was Georgia down? Yeah, Georgia was down early against Auburn. Were they? I yeah. don't know. It didn't, it didn't last long. It did not but, last long, but they were down yeah. early, yes. You're just going to have to score more than, than two touchdowns. Well, what I'm saying is, like, people are going to be stunned to see, like, 17-7 or 17-3 Tennessee after one. And I'm like, that doesn't mean it's going to end that way. I think it's going to end, like, 52-30 to 30 or something. Georgia, but, like, you're going to see 17-3 to 3 or 17-7. to 7. Like, Tennessee's going to score multiple touchdowns in the first quarter they are going to put a hurting on georgia early that is going to happen now will they be able to do anything after that Hmm? also auburn was up three to zero that's a big win it's a big up three to zero also but um Mm -hmm. we we, i don't want to get ahead of ourselves we got we got all week i'm so excited about it yeah i got all week to talk tennessee georgia it'll be uh it'll be a good one yeah, your brother already uh, tweeted at me. Shout out to your brother Jake about uh, this weekend. I think he's a believer in Tennessee scoring. Yeah. I think he's a believer that Tennessee's going to put up some points, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's start with Auburn A&M. Did you see, like, Zach Calzada got a stinger. He took it like a helmet-to-helmet shot late in this one. Has to leave the game because he gets up and then just, like, falls over when he realizes his left arm and left shoulder does not work anymore. Goes in the tent. Goes out. He had a big bomb late in this one, but that man is a warrior. He is a completely different quarterback than what we saw against Arkansas. Um, Auburn had no answers against this Texas A&M secondary. Like, they completely roped all the Auburn receivers out of this one. Auburn had no big plays. Bo Nix couldn't find anybody. He couldn't do anything with his legs. A&M just swallowed this this group up, and A&M's good, man. They're just they're clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, that's what I was so impressed by. It was just A&M's defense. Like, Auburn just could never really get anything going. They had four sacks in this game, an interception, uh, the fumble recovery they took back for a touchdown, held Auburn to three points, 73 yards on the ground. Like, this defense got after it for sure. But, yeah, Zach Calzada, man, that dude, I feel like his whole his whole left side is, is basically broken. Like, this guy just keeps uh, powering through. He's definitely a warrior. Shout out to Zach Calzada, man. Lanier legend, Zach Calzada. Um, yeah, but we'll see what happens. But Auburn, remember they were talking about it. They're like, oh, they control their own destiny. They can they can win. Like, the way they were talking about Auburn, I'm like, this is what people should be talking about with A&M. Like, A&M is what people thought Auburn was coming into this one. So I'm glad they actually played the game on the field. And uh, we move forward on that front. Well, the only thing is that A&M still needed help. Like, just mathematically... Auburn just all they had to do was win all their games and Alabama is one of those and, mm. and they can get to the SC championship. So AM does need help, but they did already get over that biggest uh hurdle, which is beating Alabama. So if L- and Alabama almost got upset this weekend. So mm. if if Auburn could upset them, I think that's really the only other option. It was Arkansas and Auburn mm. uh, and then like a cupcake in there. I think so. so it's possible that A&M can get in, but 
It might be better for them not to, right? What if they went out impressively? They finished two losses. They avoid the title game. Are they in the exact same situation they were in a year ago? No. Well, for one, that that second loss is is way different. So I think that, yeah, the second loss just makes it... it, that If they they could be in a position of Auburn in 2017, that if they got hot, Hmm. they they could win a two loss and then, then won the SEC championship, like... They'd have to win out. If they went out, won out and won the SC championship, I think they could get in as a two-loss team. But they're not. They don't have enough like good wins really to to put them all the way up into the top four at this point. Like good wins as far as left on their schedule. What is it really? Just Ole Miss? Like I think I think they have Ole Miss this week, mm-hmm. and then I'm not really sure who else. I think they end with LSU. Yeah. So I don't think they really have anything that would impress the committee enough to take them from 14 i guess they'll they'll rise a few spots from 14 this week but yeah it's probably going to be similar to last year they end up number seven or eight or so in the poll mm. close 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 i would be so frustrated if i was an am fan like we're staring at it we're like right there but we're not quite there um and we even beat the best team in like we beat alabama and it's not even gonna matter this year like we wasted yeah, a- they gotta they gotta talk to gus malzahn like what you got to do is just have your shit seasons mm-hmm. and then have everything come together all in one year and beat Alabama and then you get to the championship. That's how it works. You don't you don't just beat Alabama in random years and think you can win mm-hmm. the West other years. Like you got to you got to coordinate all that. That is true. The the Gus Magic coordinating it all at once. I like that. <laughs> um Ohio State Nebraska, Ohio State escapes this one. You were talking about like they were struggling, but like I was impressed with the way Ohio State played in this one. Nebraska's defense, I thought, has gotten better as the season's gone on. They were fighting hard, not allowing any big plays. But um, the wideouts for the Buckeyes are just almost unstoppable. It's just really hard. They just nick you to death. It's just paper cut after paper cut. Um, Trevion Henderson was kind of shut down in this one. He didn't really have a, a big one. I don't think he went over 100 yards. Uh, I just I thought Nebraska's defense was super gutsy in this one. Uh, it looked super cold. They fought hard for Scott Frost still, but they're... We need to talk about Scott Frost. Um, three and seven. Uh, this is this is bad. I think this is it. Like I think Lance Leopold at Kansas could go three and three and eight, three and nine next year. Um, this is not not enough um, at this point in Frost's tenure. He's had enough time to get better than this. This is okay. Year one. This is not okay. What year? This is year three, right? Or year four? I always get it backwards. Is this year four? this is your four yeah so that's just not acceptable like you just got to move on and i think nebraska needs to look at themselves in the mirror and stop worrying about the recruiting guy it's like oh we got frost because he's coming from florida and oregon like he he's a obviously a an alum hero in these parts but he's gonna recruit he's gonna go to florida he's gonna pull in these guys he's gonna go to the the south uh to california he's gonna go to texas he's gonna pull a lot of those guys because he has the recruiting ties now uh, being at UCF and being in Oregon to to do that. The problem is, I think they need to look themselves in the mirror and treat themselves as Wisconsin. And they're not doing that yet. They haven't. Just go hire a competent coach. Go. Bo Pelini is winning nine games a year. And they took that for granted as to what the new Nebraska is. And like Mike Riley obviously struggled, but like they need to think Mike Riley. They need to think Bo Pelini. Like, don't worry about the recruiting. Get off that. Just go get a good coach. Do what Kansas did, where it's like, Lance Leopold's not going to recruit. Like, Les Miles could have theoretically recruited at Kansas. Don't do that. Just go hire a Mark Mangino. Go hire someone that you know can win with nothing. Go hire a Mike Leach. Go hire Josh Heupel. Go hire someone that, like, I don't know if he's going to be a great recruiter. I don't know if he's going to fire up the fan base. But, like, you know, this guy is just solid. This guy is just solid with 
with players without, just go get a Brett Bielema. I don't know who it is like that that they need to go target. But I think but... Scott Frost is a good coach. Like, I don't think Scott Frost just became a bad coach overnight, right? Mm. Like, he he did he was part of those good staffs on Oregon, and you know he he turned Central Florida from you know maybe the worst program in college football to claiming national championships, whether they were legitimate or not. But I honestly kind of took this the other way. I hmm. felt like I felt like Nebraska, like it is year four, right? So don't get me wrong, he has not been good, but. Like, look at this season. Like, an eight-point loss at Illinois, that's probably the worst loss of the year. But seven points to Oklahoma at Oklahoma, three points at Michigan State, three points to Michigan, seven points at Minnesota, five points versus Purdue, nine-point loss to Ohio State. It's like you're in all of these games. Like, this does feel like a year one or year two kind of thing to be satisfied with close losses. Like, there's no there's no moral victories but the fact that you're Nebraska, like you do need to reevaluate who you are and what you expect. And I think the fact that they're having so many close losses kind of I feel like speaks to, you know, the team hasn't given up on Scott Frost. We've seen the, the kind of things with Dan Mullen and other coaches that things start to go sour and then you just you see that that lack of effort. Like you haven't seen any lack of effort in Nebraska. Like three and seven is still not good. But shout out to him for covering the spread once again, though. You know, I gotta, I gotta hype him up for that. But I don't know. I just, I felt like, I don't know. I, it's four straight losses. You know, six of the last seven you've lost. So it's obviously not going well. But who's Nebraska gonna get? Like, I know I, I kind of, I kind of uh, criticize that logic when it comes to Florida, like firing Dan Mullen. Well, who are you gonna get? Well, you figure it out. But Nebraska feels like they're in a way tougher position of who you're going to get because I think they got lucky enough that a coach like Scott Frost, that was a young up-and-coming coach, wanted to go to Nebraska. Like His ties to the university are the only reason why he was even considering a school like that. So I think you have to think about if you get rid of Scott Frost, who's another quality coach who's going who's gonna to consider a job like that? Like. Billy Napier is turning down SEC schools, you know? It's like he's not going to Nebraska. Like, some of these um, blanking on your your boy from Coastal Carolina. Oh, Jamie Chadwell. Jamie Chadwell. Like, he's not he's not taking Nebraska, you know? So any, any up-and-coming coach that – a Matt Campbell or something, like any coach like that isn't going to really look twice at Nebraska. So – I think they should be encouraged the fact that they're in so many of these games. Like I think Scott Frost has honestly earned himself one more year. Like just from just from battling and keeping these games close. No, I don't look at those guys. I'm looking at Brent Pry, DC at Penn State, and I'm looking at the DC at uh, Wisconsin, Jim Leonard. I'm just asking them whatever you want. Guys who have never who have never been a head coach before. Like, yeah, I just like know I'm going to get good example. defense, and then I just hire the right OC. Like I would, I would do that. Like we're we're building the Wisconsin model. We're building the Penn State model. Yeah, that could be. Or I, the uh, Iowa I model. Worry, I, I wonder about Nebraska. Like just how how much cachet that job really holds. For They're any, last in the Big Ten West right now, Matt. They're one and coach. six. 
they're one and six. They've lost four straight. Like they're below Northwestern, who is awful this year. And I think if you ever finish below Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue in the in the Big Ten West, I think that's just it. Like that should just be it I for mean, me. Northwestern was in the conference championship last year. It's though, a bad so. Northwestern team. Yeah, for sure. No, it's definitely not going good in Nebraska. Like, don't get me wrong, but I. I don't know. You're a believer. I think, something, I think there's something to the fact that they're still fighting for their head coach. Like, just it's gonna be like year these, nine, and losses. Scott Frost is still there, and they're three and seven again. You're like, dude, look, they were down twenty to thirteen late against Iowa. They were right there. They were right there. Year year six, if we're having this conversation, <laughs> then yeah, you fire him. But I don't know. It is year four. You had a pandemic in there. Year three. It's kind of a weird time. I don't know. I just I feel like I just. I feel for Nebraska for for sure. Like they got, they have like they're right up there with Tennessee as like what? Hold on, die hard uh, fan bases. Okay, I didn't know where you were going with that one. Let's yeah, let's... yeah. Like they're they're just that's they're they're digging deep. They that they're uh, they're they're blood. I guess everyone's blood runs red and white. <laughs> but um, yeah, Nebraska fans, they're they're hardcore, and I don't know if they're ever gonna get back to the glory days. Speaking of, do you know why TCU had red on their uniforms yesterday? Um, if it's the same reason, I remember when they came out with those pro combat uniforms, uh, they had those red in them. It was because that's what horn frogs do, right? They like shoot blood out of their eyes or something. Yes, it's the last defense they have if they think they're about <laughs> to die. Is they shoot blood out of their eyes. That's wild. I love it so much. I that is an absolute delight. Shout out to the Horn Frogs, um, who got a great win yesterday. He their quarterback is a my uh, sticker, one of my sticker receivers this week, um, which was a great game. I don't know if you watch any of it, but TCU without uh, G Pat, one and zero. Wake UNC. This was a barn burner. This was bonkers. Back and forth, back and forth. Ty Chandler, the former Tennessee running back, goes off to ice it. Um, Poor Sam Hartman, man. Um, this Wake defense was just a, a sieve, and it was it was bad. UNC, the offense, just broke this one open. Both defenses were atrocious, but yeah, that's it. This one, uh, but hey, here's my, my takeaway. Guess who's still undefeated in the ACC, Matt Green? The Wake Forest oh, Demon Deacons. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, you're so right. I, I, I thought about that while I was watching the game, but I, I was confused. I didn't see that on the standings. Yeah, that's so. That's such a wacky little thing there. I love it so much. I love it so much. Um, yeah, man. This is uh, this is bonkers. But what did you what did you make of Wake finally going down in US uh, UNC rather uh, getting a big win here to get over 500 and kind of get back on track a little bit. I felt for Wake. I feel like I feel like Wake Forest is the Kentucky of the ACC. Mm. Like, it doesn't really matter how good you are. People just don't really think you're legitimate. You know, it's like anytime Kentucky's good, people just kind of yeah, whatever. There, I'm sure they'll end up losing some games at some point. Like that's how we were with this Wake Forest team. Like looking at this schedule, these final four games: North Carolina, NC State, Boston College, and uh, Clemson. Like we were almost predicting they they go zero and four, which they they still could. They're zero and one now in this four game stretch. But it's like I was I was picking against them because I just don't feel like they're legitimate. But you watched them play on Saturday, and it's like this offense just was making plays all over the place. So it, they it's not like they they didn't come out ready to play or anything. They had a big a big lead there in the second half, but they just couldn't stop anybody. And this was just a track meet and. 
Yeah, so I've, I felt for them because they they are I think deserving of their their top ten record or their top ten ranking, but uh, but well not anymore now that North Carolina took them down. So it's uh it's unfortunate for them. It's uh it's what we all basically expected. Like going to North Carolina, I guess why they were going playing a ranked team on the road and and they weren't favored. So it's it's we've had so many of those instances so far this year, last few weeks. Has Tory taken a gander at Sam Hartman before? Like his looks? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Is, is he a good-looking guy? I've been informed he's a good-looking guy. Uh, okay. The sports renaissance woman walked by as I was watching it um, yesterday afternoon and was like, oh, he, who's that? And I was like, oh, that's the quarterback for Wake. And she's like, hmm, he's hot. And that was it. Oh, okay. Fun, fun fact for you. He's a snack, <laughs> as the kids say. <laughs> uh liberty old miss uh this was easy like i just this was one of those where like it's clear who keeps up with like college football week to week because liberty's been bad this year this sit down liberty year this is not who they were a year ago um my biggest takeaway was the old miss social media post that later got deleted um after this did I don't you think see I saw that did you not see it no okay it was objectively one of the fun let me see if i can pull it up real quick so i don't butcher this but do you remember the hugh freeze tweet about compliance where he's like anyone who thinks that they have information can send it to the <laughs> the appliance uh, compliance store or whatever okay do you know what i'm talking about when he that tweeted that out years ago when there, this was starting to trickle out about his stuff that does sound familiar okay here it is i have it in front of me now um here's hugh freeze 2113 uh, at 5.34. So this is eight years ago. I can't believe this has already been eight years. Um, if you have facts about a violation, send it to compliance at oldmiss.edu. If not, please do not slander these young men or insult their family. Um, last night after the game, Old Miss official football Twitter account tweeted, if you have complaints about this result, send it to lufootball at liberty.edu. If not, please do not slander these young men or insult their family. Man, these uh these team Twitter accounts are getting uh are getting edgier and edgier. Someone got fired for that. I'm gonna go ahead and guess. I wonder. Yeah, it was it was top notch, but uh, I didn't really have any strong takeaways in this one. Um, Lane Kiffin's group is is feisty. Liberty's not very good this year. Malik Willis has struggled in this one. Matt Corral is good. Uh, they were able to run the ball in Liberty. Um, I don't know. Old Miss. I'm just ready for the Egg Bowl. I'm excited to see what this... The Egg Bowl is musty television. It's like It should be on pay-per-view, honestly, to see Mike Leach's group versus Lane Kiffin's group this, this fall. I'm so excited for that game. Yeah, for sure. Just uh, these last couple games for Ole Miss, like, I can't really take much from the game against Liberty, kind of like you said. But yeah, I'm excited for we got game day coming there next week for A and M, and then in the Egg Bowl in in three weeks from now. So it'll this this SEC West slate. It just I feel like those schedules just never seem to end. They don't. They don't. Um, Miss uh, Michigan State goes down to Purdue. Uh, Purdue with two top five victories on the year because that is what Purdue does. I think Spencer Hall. It was either Sp- no, it might have been solid verbals. Dan Rubenstein, uh, who tweeted this out, was like, "You can always count on Purdue to be an elite, excellent program for six quarters a season," and they did it for six quarters against uh, Iowa and uh, Michigan State because, like, they got remember a few weeks ago when they beat Iowa and then they immediately pooped the bed against Wisconsin to get blown out in that one the following week. Yeah. That guess who's on the calendar next week? 
Who they got? Ohio State on the road. So Ooh. they're getting blown out next week. Go ahead and lock that one in. I don't know if they're going to be in our pick them, but uh, Purdue's getting blown out next week. But they take down Michigan State. I didn't believe in Michigan State. Uh, Peyton Thorne's fine. Uh, this is, I mean, this is still an all-time great year for Mel Tucker. Um, he's done an unreal job with this program. Kenneth Walker the third, awesome. Like, Michigan State's a great story. I don't even think Michigan State's better than Michigan. I just thought a confluence of events down the stretch there were... Uh, brutal for the for the Wolverines, but if he played that game a hundred times, I think Michigan wins ninety plus of that a hundred. So this it's good that they're they're eliminated because I would not have wanted to see them in the playoff because I think they would have gotten bounced rather easily. So it'd be kind of weird if they played a hundred times though, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it was a, this is a crazy game. I feel like Purdue, like you said, they just. They're good for one one of these a year, and mm-hmm. they they pulled out a second one in 2021. But yeah, that that and that's what kind of what I was getting at a few weeks ago when I was questioning the Big Ten. It's like Michigan, and Michigan State. To that point, that was basically the only good team either of those teams had played. So, you know, Michigan State wins that, so they're up to number three, and Michigan State lose or reverse that. Michigan State wins that. Michigan loses it, and they're at number seven. But like, we still don't know how good either of these teams really are. So for them to you know, bounce right back and, and lose to Purdue the very next week. Like, that's just, that's a little alarming. So, I'm, I'm curious. I, like, Michigan still looks good, but I, I wonder if they're going to end up dropping one of these games to, I mean, they still have a lot of these these good SEC, or these good Big Ten East teams on the schedule. So, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. For sure. For sure. Um, Mississippi State, Arkansas. Did you see how this one ended? I did, man. This was uh, how did how did you feel about the the missed kick? I assume you're talking about. Yes. Um, I don't know how I felt about Mike Leach in the press conference. Just like, yeah, open competition <laughs> for any kicker, anyone who knows how to kick a ball, come out, come out to the field next week. And it's just like, ah, that just seems brutal. Just roasting your kicker in the press conference like that, or both kickers in the press conference like that. But that was just. It wasn't even that long, right? It was like a 42-yarder, 45-yarder, mm-hmm. and it was just, oh, that had no chance. But I thought it was a huge win for Arkansas. Like, I think people were kind of leaving Arkansas for dead. I think they're still, you know, they're still a ways away from being a, contend- a contender. But this is a quality team. So for them to be 6-3 and three right now, like, there's a chance this team wins, you know, seven, eight games. So that's that's without a doubt a great season for Arkansas. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, good bounce back win for them. But Mississippi State's now going to respond by beating Ole Miss or something down the stretch. They're just, they're so hot and cold. And I, like you said, the leech comments, I mean, it's just part of the territory. I feel like these players know what they're signing up for, right? Like if you miss a big kick, guess what? Leach is going to be like, does anyone in the attendance in the student section want to kick for us next week? That's just like part of the deal. Also, also how did Mississippi State get ranked? Like, how did they get ranked 17? Like, they were 5-3 and three with, you know, losses, like a blowout loss to Bama, lost to LSU, lost to Memphis. Like, the one win over Kentucky, I guess they, I guess they beat A&M. That seems like a long time ago. But at 5-3, and three, I was just kind of confused how they were even ranked to begin with. So, I don't know. The SEC West is just kind of crazy with t- everyone beating everyone. But I was, I was surprised to see them ranked to begin with. So, now... Like with Auburn, Tennessee State, and Ole Miss to finish the schedule, like this, 
this gets to be a six and six team that was that was ranked the first week in November. Like that's kind of bizarre. Yeah, but we shall see. We shall see what happens there. I don't know. The Mississippi State's like just a gigantic wild card, and they'll be a wild card forever. Um, with Mike Leach calling things, uh, yeah. but I do like their defense. I think they're solid. Like Mississippi State, if I did like just peg where they belong in um, the S- FBS one thirty, like they're probably like a top twenty five team, probably. I would say they're like somewhere in there, 24, 23. Um, I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see. Marshall, FAU, uh, did you see the opening play of this one? Oh, I did not catch this one. So Jaden Harrison returned the opening kickoff, 99 yards for a score. Um, Another great game for Rasheen Ali and and, uh, the quarterback Wells. But the opening kickoff pretty crazy and i i just i lose my mind for for kickoff touchdowns at this point because they're so far and few between because um it's just they're so they've increased safety so much that like we just don't see that many kickoffs anymore and especially many kickoffs that go the distance so it's kind of bonkers to see a team pull it off but they've done this twice now because i don't know if you remember the app state game do you know what they did in that one a few weeks back like i guess it was a month ago one of my favorite games of the year did they take a kick to the house? They did take a kick to the house, but they did this fake um, where the entire App State group went the wrong way. And this dude just had, uh, I don't think it was all, it might've been Ali actually, who was on the kickoff team for that. And they did a fake to the left and everyone bit and he just had nothing but open space on the right hand side and ran it back for, for six. So Marshall is a low key, amazing kickoff return program. So shout out to the Thundering Hurt because they are thundering down the sidelines when it comes to kickoffs. Shout out to the Hurt. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> Do you like that? That was pretty good. Um, now I got to save my voice for this one. Um, Tennessee University of Kentucky, uh, the Tennessee Volunteers continue their tradition of owning UK. Um, this was a delight. Um, early on, this game should have been twenty-one to seven. Tennessee had a dumb fumble deep in Kentucky territory to wrap this one up. They scored on the first play, <laughs> as Tennessee does. Big play to Javante Payton. Um, 75 yards opening play seven nothing kentucky deferred i remember when they deferred i was like what are you doing mark stoops have you watched tennessee play whatsoever okay dumb move that was something i immediately wrote down like this is stupid why would you do this just take the ball and play keep away from the from the start um i'm getting tired of well here's a couple things um beth moans is awesome she's been on this podcast love beth moans kirk morrison stinks um he did no prep for this game uh i don't know if you watched late when he completely forgot what was going on um, and was trying to mathematically figure out what uh, Kentucky should be doing late in the game when it was fourth down. I was like, well, it's fourth and 10. Did you hear this? And he was confused on how many downs Kentucky had. Um, it was a two minute disaster on this broadcast where he I'm just not sure I picked up any of that. So he lost track of where the game was and then tried to get himself back in and just confused himself even more. Um he was awful. Uh, it, it was awful. Jonathan Vilma today for the Falcons Saints game was atrocious and was openly just crapping on the Falcons and cheering for for the Saints and was hurt physically when Cordero Patterson had that big catch down the right hand side. Um, I think he actually yelled out, "Are you kidding?" on the broadcast. But um, yeah, just a bad weekend for for color commentators for my for my uh, for my team's game. He's a was he an Ohio State guy? Who? That name sounds familiar. Kirk Morrison. He was a Raider for a long time. It's a linebacker, but I'm he might have been a uh, Ohio State Buckeye, I'm not sure, but he just didn't do his homework. Like he did no prep work and I'm getting really tired of um he went to San Diego yeah, State. San Diego State, yeah. So 
if I get one more broadcast that's just like, oh, I would. this is the problem when you do tempo, is that Kentucky and teams like that can just sit on the ball and they can eat up time of possession. Your defense gets tired. Stop it. This is like one of the most ridiculous things that we are still picking up. It's not 1996 anymore, man. Like, Tennessee does not have the bodies. Them playing a time of possession battle is not going to beat anyone. We don't have the bodies. That is not how this works. The way Tennessee wins football games is by using the tempo and making life extremely difficult for their defense. The way this offense works is by striking quickly on big plays and doing tempo. That's the fastest team in the country. That is how we win football games in a very tough conference with an undersized and a just a really thin roster right now with all the transfers and injuries. That is how we do it. We had no running game to speak of. Tion got hurt in this one again. Um, Hidden Hooker's running for his life a lot of the times. Like We have to do this. We have to play at this extreme version of this tempo. Ask Heupel about it. Like This is what we have to do to win football games, to stay in football games. Yes, it's hard on the defense. They know what's going on. This is all part of the plan. Kentucky didn't punt once and lost this football game. Kentucky had, what, over 600 yards of offense? They destroyed us in the time of possession battle. If you were citing time of possession as a reason as to why you're worried about Tennessee losing a football game or winning a football game, you're not paying attention, and you should not be calling this game. That's just priority one. You're booted. Like, as the sports are, I'm booting you immediately because you just are not familiar with Tennessee football whatsoever. You're not familiar with how they win games. That is how this works. If we want to stay with Bama, we want to be up on Bama in the third quarter, we have to have this crazy tempo where they're not ready. They're not lined up. They're not able to substitute. They're offbeat. Kentucky was off all night long. Their defense got shredded because this Tennessee team fired on all cylinders. They knew what they were doing. They were challenging them deep. Kentucky had no answers. None. The confidence that Tennessee had offensively and where they're at, whew, it's it's something else. Hendon Hooker is just on another level. He's a top 10 quarterback in college football right now. Um, his numbers are preposterous outside of a, a running back who hit him on a fake toss um, early on in this game. Like, basically perfect. Fourth and 24 scared the crap out of me late. Uh, that was preposterous. Mark Stoops getting that personal foul. Like him getting upset about the missed face mask late. Like that was a face mask. But uh, Will Levis also throwing it out of the bounds. <laughs> Going full Joe Milton on a fourth down play was uh, delightful. Um, not giving his receiver a chance. But also, uh, Kentucky holds every play. Like they were holding every play. That, they were See that face mask though. That was like a bad miss. So for sure. I'm glad. It happens in Tennessee every week. That. I always hate that when there's the refs make a bad call and then everyone lo- someone loses their mind about the bad call and then they throw a flag for the mm-hmm. the argument, you know, or techn- give a guy a T in basketball for arguing. It's like I feel like once you've made a bad call, I feel like kind of all all things are all bets are off at that point, right? It's like you just kind of have to take that these people are pissed about the bad call you just made. And just keep it moving. So I was glad, you know, that fourth and nine turned into a fourth and 24, and then Kentucky converted it. Like, it obviously kind of changed the complexion a little bit, but for the fact the fact that they got the first down, that ultimately had no impact on the outcome of the game because I think the fourth down that Kentucky was stopped on, well, there's still like 20, 30 seconds left in the game mm-hmm. at that point. So it was good that that ultimately didn't affect the game. I think, I don't feel like the time of possession aspect is irrelevant you know like it doesn't matter that much like if you're just going to be scoring on people like this like 
if your offense is putting up points, that's all that really matters. But I think there is a point where you start to put your defense at a disadvantage by just simply just being on the field that much. Like, regardless of how good Tennessee's offense is performing, Josh Heupel, I guarantee you, doesn't want to see his defense on the field for 46 minutes. Like That's, that's what I'm saying. It's an, it's an extreme version, but if you ask Josh Heupel, it's like, is this the best way to win a football game in an SEC schedule? He's going to say yes. See, I think you, I think Dan Mullen, he has that offensive approach that the best defense is a good offense, it feels like. Yes. And he has these 12 play, eight minute drives that, you know, keep the defense off the field. I think if you're going to be an offensive team, you have to be able to do that to an extent, or else you're just going to get in a track meet with everybody and. We'll see how how many teams Tennessee can beat that way. Like there, Tennessee is definitely moving in the right direction. But you know, when you are a five and four team, it's not like it's not like there's there's no room for improvement, right? So so I don't know if this is the issue with Tennessee. Probably just the defense getting better in general will help Tennessee. But I think if you're gonna put your and and you're not gonna have that many games like this where you the time of possession is 46 to 14 you know that's just an absurd game but they did give up 600 yards of offense like that's you're not going to win a lot of games well no you don't look at don't yards of offense you look at what you do in the red zone um you talk to any coach who has a spread high octane offense they don't care about the yards they don't care about any of that they don't want to give up explosive plays which they didn't do in this one and they don't want to give up create they still were giving up touchdowns in the red zone I mean, um you gave up 600 yards and 42 points like mm-hmm he didn't force the opponent to punt one time correct this is an extreme bad version of it yeah like that's you have to get some stops to to win games you know and ultimately they were able to get a fourth down stop at the end Mm -hmm. um but and and they got a turnover in there but i think uh this is definitely a good win for tennessee i i feel like you were thinking more of a blowout it was on its way until some some stupid stuff i had more in mind like this I, t- I know it takes you early. It felt like Wake Forest Army mm-hmm. vibes from this game. And this is kind of what I was thinking. Like, Tennessee's offense is so much more explosive than Kentucky's, but Kentucky's offense wasn't stopped at all in this game. It was just a much different a much different tactic, really. But, um, yeah, it was a big win for Tennessee, and it, it sets up a, an exciting, exciting game next week in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I got to save my voice for the pod on Wednesday because it's it's going to be a lot of back and forth, a lot of back and forth. And we'll get your we'll get the brother on um, after. I think is fair. I think yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get him on for, for the the response on on Sunday. Um, Boise Fresno, Boise is back up. Tell whoever is not aware, Boise State is back up. I think I had this one. Um, Fresno's just hot and cold. And they've actually played a sneaky, tough schedule. But uh, Boise, big-time blowout of the, the Bulldogs here. Yeah, you indeed. You are all over this one. Uh, Boise State, I just can – I cannot get a gauge on Boise State this year. I think every time we've had them in the pick I've, <laughs> I've either picked them wrong, either picked them to win and they lost, picked them to lose and they win. So this is a, this is a solid win for Boise. I was not expecting a, a, a blowout win in this one by any means. UTSA Jeff Trailer continues on undefeated. Are we sure UTSA? This was my note about this one beating UTEP, a good UTEP team this year. Um, are we sure that they would not beat Cincinnati on a neutral field? No, I'm not sure of that. Okay. See, I just want to. Cincinnati wanted, is a solid mm, team. They're built different. They seem like they're built more like a Big Ten kind of team. But UTSA, I mean, they're explosive and they're actually 
they're actually handling some of their opponents too unlike cincinnati i have a question let's what if we just pivoted what if we did a group of five national title utsa versus cincy they get their own Hey man, we we threw out that idea. That's what it should be. Months ago, honestly, mm-hmm. the whole bracket buster thing, like they do in college basketball, mm. like I would be all for it. And honestly, after they won a team won a game like that, I'd be down for them making an eight team playoff or something. You know, get a, give them that that group of five national championship and let them let them get play their way in there. That would be so much fun. That's how it. That would be so great if they really did break it up like that. The four best group of five fight over who gets one of the the spots in the the big dance. That'd be cool. Um, all right, Matt Green. Well, we have a couple other games to run through as we wrap up here, and then we'll hit our stickers. Um, I know you're wondering what happened with Akron and Ball State on Tuesday of this past week. Ball State won that one to get over five hundred. Um, there were a couple surprises. Boston College uh, takes care of Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech falls to four and five. I think Justin Fuente might be on his last legs there. Utah beats the living crap out of Stanford, uh, fifty-two to seven. Uh, people need to prepare for the Utes upsetting Oregon and knocking the Pac-12 out of the Pac-12 or out of the um, national title conversation once again. Um, so give me the Utes to win the Pac-12 down the stretch here. You mentioned LSU, Bama, LSU. Uh, almost beats Bama in this one. They stay with them throughout. Uh, Bama wins ultimately 2014. Jamison Williams, uh, absolute star. Bama's offense is still relatively broken. Not much of a run game to speak of. Um, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Six rushing yards Alabama had in this game. Fewest rushing yards they've had since 1990. Ooh. The, a 9-0 loss to Penn State back in 1990. Had, had six rushing yards. I think it's. I think that's... Uh, point of I think that like that's a reason for concern for Alabama honestly like I I do have worries that Alabama could drop another game before the SEC championship I think so uh, this is not the same Alabama team they're not real contenders uh, also like LSU like Ed is this interim Ed Ordron now like, <laughs> head coach again because interim Ed Ordron is like one of the best coaches in college football like they're they're playing harder for Ed Orgeron than, than Florida players are for Dan Mullen right now. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is about this guy. He just, there's something about his, about his sideline demeanor too. Like, like, I don't know if you saw it late in the game um, when they, they hit Max Johnson and it they thought it was a fumble, but then they end up ruling an incomplete pass. And he's like over there celebrating on the sideline like a first down, but saying like incomplete pass, like incomplete, like motioning. I don't know. It was kind of hilarious. I feel like he's just he has no more pressure anymore and he's just kind of loving his loving his job. I don't know. It's it's a funny I'm a big fan of interim Edo. There you go. Uh, Michigan 29, Indiana 7. Michigan plays like an SEC dominant team now. They're kind of like the Texas A&M of the Big Ten now. Um, Navy falls thir- uh, 6 to 34 to Notre Dame as Notre Dame moves to 8 and 1. Oklahoma State uh, shuts down the Mountaineers 24 to 3 on the road. I think Oklahoma State's the best team in the Big Ten or Big 12, rather. TCU Chandler Morris goes ham. They upset the Baylor Bears 30 to 28. Um, that, that could be a low key important game, mm-hmm. I think, in, when the playoff gets, gets uh, decided. I think we talked about weeks ago, like Cincinnati's shot at getting in the playoff was almost hinging on Notre Dame's performance the rest of the way. Like, and if Notre Dame can just keep, you know, finish 11 and one or something and be ranked seven or eight, like that's the best shot Cincinnati has to get in the playoff. Like Oklahoma 
clearly where the committee put Oklahoma, they have more work to do. And beating and Baylor and Oklahoma State were two of those data points they had left on the schedule. So Baylor not looking as good, like that actually could end up hurting Oklahoma. Bedlam's going to be bonkers, though, I think. Um, it looks like they both have a chance of being top 10 when that game happens in a few weeks. Um, yeah, so. NC State, 28. Florida State, 14. I think NC State's the best team in the ACC. Devin Leary had a nice night. Uh, Illinois, 14. Minnesota, 6. Like, what? Just losing a Beal on the way that, like, Brandon Peters stinks. And this Illinois offense, like, losing to them has just got to be very demoralizing the way illinois plays football 32 carries 147 yards for chase brown on the ground wisconsin's back we mentioned this 11 for 16 240 uh three tds for graham mertz uh braylon allen goes off 15 carries 129 52 to 3 over wreckers um wisconsin's back they're winning the big 12 big 10 west and uh, i think they're gonna give ohio state a bunch of uh, a bunch of reasons to sweat in the big 10 title game tradition unlike any other wisconsin's back <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Um, Iowa 17, Northwestern 12, San Diego State 17, Hawaii 10. Uh, Army Air Force goes into overtime as the Army, uh, why my uh, Black Knights move to 5 and 3. Uh, Air Force falls to 6 and 3. SMU goes down again uh, on the road at Memphis 28 25. Georgia Tech falls to 3 and 6 as Miami. Uh, with Tyler Van Dyke under center, rolling as of late. They went 33-30. That, oh, the last one we'll hit on. Um, Arizona, the worst Power 5 team in the uh, college football uh, FBS. They beat Cal 10-3. to If you hated yourself, you watched this one, folks. Uh, Will Plummer goes off, as Will Plummer does. We, we love Will Plummer on this podcast. Bill Musgrave calling it uh, for the California Golden Bears offense uh just an absolute train wreck for justin wilcox in this group you can't lose on the road at arizona arizona's god awful and uh they get a big time win here also i think i would like to announce rock bottom for mm-hmm. the texas longhorns oh okay like it's not rock bottom to lose to iowa state it's rock bottom to get blown out by iowa state and no one's even talking about it <laughs> right like no one even knows that that game happened Iowa State beat Texas thirty to seven, and everyone, no one, no one, uh, didn't, didn't even skip a beat. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, Texas, they, they're not good anymore. So, they, yeah, they lost. They're moving to the SEC soon, Matt. Like, I don't think Texas understands what they've signed up for. I'm just concerned that they don't know how bad it could get relatively quickly. Yeah, I think there's a chance Oklahoma doesn't know what they signed up for, and they're going to still be one of the better teams in the mm-hmm. SEC when they come over. Like, Texas, I think that, that Arkansas game, I think they now do kind of have an idea of what to expect. But obviously, it's just year one under Sarkeesian. We see a lot of teams take that step year one to year two, and they still might not be in the SEC again next year. We'll kind of see how those things end up um your guess is as good as mine but um yeah maybe maybe by the time sarkeesian is has built up a little something they'll be ready for the sec but yeah right now they're looking like florida is like the 10th best team in the sec right now so like a&m they're looking a step above vanderbilt missouri right now uh texas not a&m or yeah texas is looking uh, a step above missouri right now 
Absolutely. Well, let's wrap up with our stickers. My ads were Chandler Morris, former three-star transfer, if you remember, from Oklahoma. He had an awesome game against Baylor. There was a flea flicker play late to Johnson. That was awesome. Um, great, great win uh, post Gary Patterson there for, for the Horn Frogs and their red uh, on their jerseys, just shooting blood out of their eyeballs uh, for those horn frogs. The wide receivers for Ohio State, all the underneath stuff that CJ Stroud just picked apart. Um, this Nebraska defense was just top notch. And Zach Calzada being a warrior um, for me was was pretty great. But you have Scott Frost, I believe, for a sticker. Yeah, for you. and I actually threw this in there before you we even started that <laughs> yeah. conversation about Scott Frost. Because honestly, I was just like, this team's got some fight in them. Like, don't yeah. give up on Scott Frost yet. So I guess we're giving moral victory. We're giving helmet stickers for moral victories now. Not me. Couldn't be <laughs> me. That's Matt Green. Matt underscore to underscore Green doing that. Um, I removed one from Mark Stoops. Uh, coached horribly down the stretch there. Um, kind of whiny. And uh, Mark Stoops, here you go. You ready for this? You ready for a hot take? It's not real. Kentucky's a facade. Like, he's doing great there, but Mark Stoops not jumping uh, at the better job when the iron's hot. Like, you you mentioned that it's a great position for him because there's no expectations. Things are awesome at Kentucky. Like, this is better than they've ever been as a program. Like, it's stable. He can coach there as long as he wants. But, like, there is a ceiling. And this is something that he ran into is, like, there is a ceiling to being in Kentucky. And, like, Tennessee's not even near what they're going to be in the next year or two, um, talent-wise. And they just did whatever they wanted against your vaunted defense, like whatever they wanted um, without a running game. So like you're done, like you're down now, like Tennessee is now firmly above you. It's over there. Um, Do you believe that Florida is going to be able to stay down where they are? Um, South Carolina is atrocious. Vanderbilt's atrocious, but Mizzou we'll see, but you got Georgia sitting right there. Um, I think Florida will come back and then I don't know. I think Kentucky is now back on their downward trajectory back to that four fifth range um, in the East with the number three spot being the highest they can go. Uh, I just don't think there is a, a path to them getting out of it. And I think Mark Stoops is maybe in trouble because it's like, Oh, well you're there a little too long. You should have capitalized on this for a better job where you can actually win big. And I think there is just a, a ceiling at Kentucky. Um, remove yeah, one for Bill. Of... Something. Yeah, there's definitely something to that. I um I feel like I got a lot of pushback from Kentucky fans on Twitter several weeks ago, and I was saying I still thought the 2018 Kentucky team was better, and mm. like I pretty much stand by that. The year Benny Snell had a monster year, they went 10 and three. Like they were actually hosting Georgia for to, to decide the SEC East. They got into the top 10 and everything. Like that team just seemed like a more legit contender like this this kentucky team is just like they just some of the success has been with smoke and mirrors like i'm still not taking any credit away from mark stoops he's done a great job because at the end of the day it is kentucky and like you said they do have a ceiling wandale robinson's uh gonna be a first round pick in the draft though that dude is just something else um bill o'brien removing a sticker for him dan mullen for obvious reasons bill o'brien's just not going to be the oc long term in uh, in alabama i'm just going to go ahead and throw that one out there and then uh you have one who i can guess as to why you put this person on the list yes that would be we alluded to it earlier davis bren quarterback for uh tulsa you got to put your body on the line <laughs> man learn a thing from uh from will levis over here just you uh you see that goal line you got to get in i think they i mean they still had to get the two-point conversion to uh to tie it with cincinnati but like that was it that was the opportunity to win the games you had to you gotta can't you can't slide on that one that's a joe milton move right there what that was was a joe milton 
uh, move in that position. Just no, no understanding of where you are on the field and what the circumstances are um, in that particular play. His head was just not not in the game. Uh, Matt also, Green. Uh, I got mm. some breaking news for us, sir. Oh, no. Bruce Feldman is reporting this. Todd Grantham is officially out Ooh. at Florida as well as offensive line coach John Hevesy. So Ooh. that's the start of it. Maybe that's how Mullen keeps his job. He uh, sacrifices some of his assistants. But, uh, yeah, so things already happening down in Gainesville. Well, the fact that they did that tells me that Mullen's safe for another year. If they're just doing Grantham so. and Havasey after, especially, yeah, especially before the season ends, mm-hmm. I think. And that's... then um, the, the last thing I wanted to say, shout out to Blooper, who I don't know if you've been any how, last time in Braves game you went to. Blooper's low key a dick, like <laughs> like he's kind of an asshole. Like this guy, I went to the Brewers game and he's like pouring nacho cheese on this guy's like, nice <laughs> Brewers jersey, and I'm like, I hope this is a skit because I feel like. I feel like he made the forty thousand people in the stadium like uncomfortable. It's like I feel like I feel like he's bullying him right now. We're all just watching it, but no. But shout out to Blooper. It's the the disrespect that the Atlanta Braves have given the Georgia Tech football program. The fact that they have a Power Five school in that city, and Blooper and Jock Peterson said we're going to Athens to check out a, a college football game. I thought that was awesome. Just the level of. Just the level of irrelevance that Georgia Tech's football program at is kind of hilarious these days. Also, I don't like the the confluence of uh, Georgia and Atlanta being united. Like, that's not a real thing. Oh, Atlanta's full of all kinds of college football fans. Let's not make it seem like there's a pipeline to being an Atlanta fan means you're a, you're a Georgia fan. Not everyone is that uh, that sports challenged. Where they... That's very true, especially for the Braves. Mm-hmm. The Braves kind of seem like that. I mean, they had the whole college nights because of that. Mm-hmm. Because it's like Clemson fans, South Carolina fans, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, even some Florida fans. Like, the Braves seem, they just have like the biggest geographical fan base of any team in the major leagues speaking of breaking news i just see what feldman reported on right before that john donovan out at washington and jimmy lake's in a lot of trouble for uh punching his player in the face with the helmet on did you see that whole did, he punch him? did you see that altercation i he, saw him like shove him in a row yeah it was like with his hand like uh, with the helmet on like he's it, it is it not a punch what is he doing like he's pushing forward with this arm what would you call that i don't know punching at someone with a helmet on will always be the all-time bonehead move honestly like you're not hurting anybody when they have a helmet on i've never you're only hurting yourself do you do you remember coaching legend and uh coaching legend of this very podcast uh rush probes what he got suspended for no what he gets suspended for okay he just slaps the front of his helmet and then he pushes the player when he's walking away mm-hmm. he runs over yeah it's yeah he runs over throwing rights yeah i don't know if you don't want to call it whatever it is it's like some sort of swing it's something you don't do um as a head coach or as any kind of coach um with with kids so don't do that but um no rush probes uh headbutted uh one of his players with the helmet on and then started bleeding from from the forehead profusely after it that's uh that's the classic irk russell right there. <laughs> georgia georgia defensive coordinator legend i was gonna say and, i think he's and, more of a georgia southern legend i think he's got a well, statue down create, there like start george southern's program but he was he was the leader of the junkyard dogs and all that. And 
uh, head button players and bleeding down those forehead and all that. That was uh, that's that's what all the old the old heads want out of their <laughs> out, of, out of their football coaches. That's for sure. What a name, Irk. I don't. You don't hear many Irks anymore. No, you you don't. Is <laughs> I think Irksin. I think was his name, like E A R K S I N E. I think mm. it was something like that. I could be totally butchering that, but I think it's like that's. I don't. I've never heard of anyone for that with that name. I guess it's just one of a kind. There you go. There you go. Matt Green. We can follow you on Twitter dot com at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Um, outside of that, preview show in a couple days. Um, but that is all I've got, sir. You got anything else as we wrap up here tonight? Uh, it's Georgia Tennessee week, man. Oof. I'm uh, I'm excited for it. I got my I got my Rocky stopped T-shirt that okay. uh, my mom got me. You're years breaking ago up. After, You're breaking uh, up. After a, a successful win in Knoxville, so I might have to bust that out one day this week. Okay. Probably for the Wednesday pod, I'll probably have to be rocking that. All right, Matt Green. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.